Welcome to episode 31 of Coaching Origins. I'm Jeff Bidwell. If you're just finding us, welcome. If you've been with us since the beginning, we are so glad to have you back. Today we catch up with Bucknell head coach Nathan Davis. Davis's coaching journey started in 1997 after his playing career was done. He had assistant coaching stops that included Navy and Bucknell before ultimately returning to Bucknell in 2015 as he earned his first Division I head coaching job. Here's Coaching Origins with Nathan Davis. I'm always fascinated by what coaches major in in college. And so when I see that you've got your degrees in history and sociology, what was the game plan going in majoring in history and sociology? You know, when I, uh, when I first went to Randolph-Macon, I wanted to be a, uh, a high school history teacher and a high school basketball coach um, was kind of the game plan. I got there and I took history class. And frankly, I, you know, I didn't do very well. I was kind of immature. I didn't put in the time necessary. And so after the first year, I was looking for something else and tried a sociology class. I found it kind of interesting and started up on that. And then going into my second half of my junior year, I, I, I took another history class really for the first time um, and just missed it so much that I went back to that. I got a second major in history. Because that's really what I, I was most interested in anyway. So after your playing days, you, you had a little more of your degree to wrap up. And so you you hung on there at Randolph-Macon as a student assistant. What was that experience like for you? At- you know, it was great. Um, you know, at a small school like that, I couldn't, like I said, I'd added that second major late. And so I needed more time to finish it. And so Coach Nelly was, uh, was willing to allow me to help out. And so I kind of got a chance to to see that side of the coaching side more um, without all the pressure of having to necessarily be the main recruiter and the main coach on the floor and, and get to learn from, uh, from different people. So it was a, it was a great way to kind of dip your foot into to what college coaching was really about. What was the relationship like with your former teammates now sort of in, in a different role? You know, it's different. Um, it was really different in that, you know, I was still a student there. Mm-hmm. It's not like I was living off campus and not around them. I was still, you know, around them on a daily basis and in the dorms and things like that. So it certainly was a, a different dynamic um, navigating what was appropriate for me to do and, and not do um, what to say in front of them and not to say in front of them. And so bouncing those relationships. But I think one of the, the great things was we had a really uh, mature group. I mean, if you look at that group I was with, so it was, uh, I was a student assistant, you know, Mike Rhodes at VCU was his first year ever as a full as a, as assistant basketball coach. He was a first year assistant. And then our two captains were Sean Macklin, who's the head coach at IMG and was two years behind me and Chris Gross, who's now the head coach at, at university of San Francisco. <laughs> so we had a, a, a pretty level-headed smart and uh smart group so it was uh it, it wasn't as challenging as it, it could have been in a lot of ways and I think a lot of that goes to the the respect and their their maturity so where did the I guess mindset change from hey I want to be a teacher and a high school coach to maybe I want to get into the college game now you know it was early I love the game um I love the competition I love the strategy that went into it and all that and you know within my first probably six to eight months of, of seeing what college basketball was like with the detailed scouting, the recruiting, the, the, the planning, the execution, the strategy that all went into it was so much more than what I'd experienced in high school that it just captivated me. It was something I wanted to be a part of. Your first assistance job, uh, once you get out of Randolph-Macon, is at Emory Henry uh, under a guy named Bob Johnson, uh, who did a little reading on him last night. Seemed like a one of the more fascinating characters you could come across. Uh, if you can give us a, a nickel exp- uh, explanation on, on Bob Johnson, who he was, and, and really the impact he had on your life. 
you know, he had a tremendous impact. I think Coach uh, Coach Jay, um, a couple things. His his background and that that his father had been chairman of the Joint Chiefs. He served in Vietnam. Was 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 married with the family. Was very different than what I had with Coach Donnelly um, at at Randolph Macon as a player, where he was not married. It was all about everything basically the, the team was his only thing in his life. And so two very different perspectives in that respect. Um, both were very demanding. Um, both were pushing people to be the best. Both were extremely honest, very different styles. Um, at Randolph Macon, we played really, really slow. Coach Johnson was up and down. We were pressing, we were running every, every chance we got, we were trying to score hundred points every time out. Um, but Coach had a tremendous relationship with his players. I um, really cared about him. Um, great family. Um, showed that you could do both. You know, you could be a great basketball coach and be a, be a father and a, and a good one, uh, which was good to see. And he gave, especially for, you, you know, you look at, I was lucky that I got to work for him right away and that he gave you a ton of responsibility immediately. Now, you had to be able to justify and show them what you're going to do. But, you know, I got to sub. I got to help plan practice. I obviously got to recruit. I got to coach on the floor. I got to do workouts. I mean, you got to do everything. And he gave you that opportunity to do it and and helps you helps you learn and grow. So it was a how great you, start. How did you take to the recruiting aspect of the business? You know, I, I think that it's, 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 it's changed so much. You know, since, you know, 25 years ago, there's there's so many different things going into it. But I, you know, I really like getting a chance to meet different people. I, I like getting a chance to meet different kids. I like I really like the travel. You know, I like getting to go different places you may not necessarily get to see. I really liked all of that stuff. Um, so it was enjoyable to me. You end up at Navy uh, the next year. Uh, how, how do you uh, how do you make that leap and to spend, uh, I guess, five seasons there with with Don DeVoe? You know, it was it was. Uh, so much, let's just say you were great at this, you were great at that. So much it was about, about in, in basketball, like you can't get around, it's about who you know and who do they know. know. And and so Coach DeVoe um, at Navy and Coach Nunley, who I played for in college, were, were very, very good friends. Um, on top of that, we had uh, one of the people, Coach Johnson, I don't know if you're aware, has a tremendous, like, tree of coaches. Um, Mike Young is uh, one, John Kaufman at Fort Wayne's another one. Um, and I can go down the list. There's more and more, but Jamie and Christian. Um, but so this one came about through Jimmy Allen, who's now the head coach of the Army. Um, Jimmy had played at Emory and Henry. We had actually played against each other. He was ahead of me. He was a senior and other freshman. So we competed and they were really good. And so in the time that I was at Emory and Henry, I obviously got to know those guys really well. And they had a job opening. And through uh, through Jimmy and through uh, Coach Nolan, I was able to get a connection and uh, fortunate to be able to coach DeVoe hire me. And uh, it was another great experience for me. What is it like coaching at Navy? Uh, maybe as opposed to just the armed you know, service academies as opposed to, to any other school. I have to imagine there's some – there's some unique components to that. You know, there are, obviously, I think, I think there's a general um, perception that the kids that go there are a lot different than other places. They aren't really. I don't, I, that's not what I found. I think what you find is in a lot of respects, they're more mature, more forward thinking. If they see the value of, of that education, that institution, what it's going to do for them, you know, five, 10, 15 years, 20 years down the road. Um, you know, one of the interesting things I found was I thought that, the number of parents you talked to that were way more <laughs> interested than, which we, we wouldn't kind of expect the number of parents that you would get involved with the kids that were like way more gung-ho about doing this. And the kids were, was not surprising, but um, 
the challenges, there's obviously a lot of things pulling them. You know, you got not just the academics are extremely challenging. You've got the military side. Those things are dealing with, the, especially the the plebes or the freshmen um, with the demands on their time. Not getting a lot of sleep was very challenging. So learning how to manage that along with the performance on the court um, was, was probably one of the more challenging things as far as coaching there. But the basketball is still the basketball. Right, Basket, yeah, basketball is still the basketball. We had a lot of guys. My first, I remember my, we had a full JV program. My first practice at Navy as an assistant, we had, I believe it was 44 people in practice that were all recruited. Um, so we had, uh, we were in Halsey Fieldhouse in the multi-purpose gym, which had two full courts and we had 12 baskets. So we had going at both ends, you know, which was great. And then your assistant, you've got to do a lot. You know, you're coaching. You're not just standing there watching. Like you're out there, you're running drills, you're you're teaching, you're doing all that, which, you know, when you're 24, 25 years old, you don't always get to do that. So between um, jumping running with Coach Johnson and then and then going with the coach of the Navy, again, right away early, I had to I had to learn how to teach and how to, how to, how to get people to do what we wanted to do. Five years at Navy and then and then you're off to Bucknell with with Coach Flannery. Uh, first tour of duty there. Uh, what what uh, what launched you uh, to Bucknell? You know, again, you got it's always it comes back to connection so much. And obviously, we were in the same league, and so I had a tremendous respect for for what they had done here um, with Davis Gym. Let's be honest, the facility wasn't great. Um, they had no scholarships, and I always felt like when we played them that at the end of the year, they were as good as they could be. Um, they not win the league, but I felt like they had reached their full potential as a team, which I think said a lot about Coach Flannery and his staff for the job they did. Um, I had, you know, I had mentioned I'd worked with Mike Rhodes um, at, at Randolph-Macon, and Mike had played for Coach Flannery of Lebanon Valley, the National Player of the Year. They won the national championship. And then one of the assistants at that time that was leaving Bucknell on the staff um, was – I mentioned earlier, Sean Macklin, who was a teammate of mine, who's now the head coach at IMG, was going to go coach high school basketball. So he was leaving. So I had a connection through Coach Flannery that way. And Bucknell had just built a new facility, Soy Pavilion, which was still playing, um, had just gone to scholarships. So it was going to be an opportunity to recruit scholarship athletes. Um, it was another very different style. And at, at, uh, at Navy, we were all man-to-man. We were all set. We were we were denied. We were all on the floor trying to, trying to up temple you're trying to trying to make you not up temple you're trying to uh get you to play a little carelessly a little out of control that way where coach Flannery was more motion offensively uh still a lower tempo but he mixed a lot of matchup zones so we play man and matchup so I thought it'd be a chance to get a chance to learn from a great coach who had done um very well with with the resources he had the school was obviously getting more resources with the pavilion and the scholarships and I thought it was an opportunity to recruit scholarship players um Another in academic institution where I recruited nationally at Navy, I've been recruiting the last, where we're still going to have to be able to do the same thing. Um, so I thought there were a lot of fits that way. And it, I felt like it was a chance to, to get in on something as it was really starting to take off. Your second year there, you guys, uh, you make the NCAA tournament. And in my past TV life, I was lucky to go to a lot of those. And in, in 2005, I was in Oklahoma City covering Southern Illinois, and they played early in the day, and we were in the media room at night working. And you start, it's always a neat dynamic in the media room whenever something interesting's happening out on the floor. And that night, you guys were playing Kansas, and the murmur started to grow as the night went on. They're like, Fucking hell's hanging around. They're hanging around. They're hanging around. And we all ended up wandering out and sitting in the front row and, and watching. One of the great moments in Bucknell history is you guys, as you guys knocked off the Jayhawks there in Oklahoma City. What was that moment like for you personally, professionally, 
all of it. Cause I know, you know, for, for Cinderella, that is, it, it can be an overwhelming moment. You know, it's at the time it was really surreal. I mean, going in, Candace was really good. Um, they've been number one in the country. Um, they stumbled a little bit down the stretch and gotten beat by Villanova, who we, we had played, you know, earlier in the year and they had beaten us really bad too. It was just coach Wright really kind of got it going. I think they, they'd beaten us by 35 or 40. They'd beaten Kansas the same way as their first loss in February. Um, and, but we had a, we had a good team. I mean, we had Chris McMahon, who was a sophomore, um, who went on to be a three-time first-team all-league player. We had Charles Lee, now an assistant with the Bucks, um, who had really come into his own that year and taken off. He ended up being the last cut by the Spurs a couple of times. We had Kevin Bencourt, who's an all-time great player here. Donald Brown, he could write down list. So we had a really good, we had a really good team too. Um, and we were peaking at the right time. Um, if you would ask me going in, if I thought we were going to win, no, <laughs> I knew we would compete and have a chance, but I remember we were, we were on the plane going out there. And one of our administrators asked me what I thought of who I thought was going to win the national championship. And I said, Oh, I'm, I'm picking Kansas. <laughs> well, you're playing it. Well, yeah, I've been watching them all week, you know, <laughs> I mean, watched all week, but I knew we would go out there and compete and give it everything we had. And I knew that with the style we played, you know, if we could keep it, keep it, keep it close, we'd have a, we'd have a shot. And they had Wayne Simeon and Langford coming off an injury and they weren't trying to play him as much. And they didn't shoot the ball nearly as well that year as they did some other years, which, which certainly helped us. But, you know, it's kind of a surreal moment. You're, you're kind of, you're playing the game and you're, you're, you're you get lost in the moment and you look up and score and like, wait, we're up four. Oh, wait, we're down two. And it just kind of goes back and forth. And then Chris hits the, uh, hits the hook um, to put us up. And we actually, you don't remember this, we go down and we get a stop come back down and we missed the front of the one and one. They call timeout and Wayne Simeon gets a foul line jumper. Um, that he that thing hung turned in the around and he makes, yeah, that he yeah. makes, you know, he had this, his kind of his go-to shot was that same shot off the baseline. And so it's the same shot. He takes off the baseline all the time, but he gets to the foul line and it comes up short. And you're like, at first you're like, Whoa, we won the game as a, as a coach. Like, well, we won the guys right around the floor and like, Whoo, we survived that one. And it's not until you, you kind of started to leave the floor and we're leaving the floor and you know, you're in Oklahoma city. And come off the floor and the entire building's work crew is kind of giving your guys standing ovations to come off the floor and you get back to the locker room. And, and honestly, one of the first things you notice is so everyone's around your locker was great. Yeah. Like the people, the media, you don't get a ton of attention when you're the, you know, the 14th seed the day before. It's like maybe two people came in the locker room. We got the media out waiting to get in. But actually, there was a moment we went by Kansas's locker room and I saw the media waiting for them. And I was, there was that moment like, man, that's got to be awful that they're going to have to sit through that at the other end, but we're ecstatic, but it's probably the best as far as his coaching experience or success on the board. Probably it's going to be tough to ever top that. Um, it was a great moment for, for our, our program, for our university um, to be, I mean, Kansas is one of the, you know, three or four blue bloods and to be able to compete at that level on that stage um, in our first NCAA tournament, and, you know, it had been, 15 years since our, I'm sorry, it's been 17 years since our school had been. So to, to kind of get a chance to do that was, was pretty special. You guys are able to run it back the next year. You're a nine seed. You beat Arkansas in the first round again. Does that, you know, from a, from, I guess, in the walls, in the, in the coaching room, you know, when the dust kind of settles on that and you've had these back-to-back -back years of, you know, you, you have, you have put the program in some semblance of a national spotlight and it's like, okay, we've gotten to the top now. How do we, how do we keep it there? Uh, does it change how you guys did things? Uh, maybe just sort of the prism that you looked at 
everybody has hopes and dreams of what you can build it into. And you're like, we might be starting this. And obviously it's maybe it's sometimes harder to keep it there than actually get it there. But how did, how did, how did the perspective of the program change internally after those two years? You know, I don't know. I think it's, it's not as much internally that it changed. I think that, um, the program here had been good for a long time. You go back, Jim Bob Arnold coached here, and Charlie Charlie Weatherby, uh, Charlie Weather, Charlie Woolen, Charlie Weatherby's old football coach in eighty. I said for Charlie Woolen, who still still gets up to games, is down in Williamsburg now. Was, went on to be the head coach of William Mary. Um, but Charlie Woolen's teams were really good, and they went to the NCAA's. And like I said, Coach Flannery had good teams, um, just with the kind of the resources and things they maxed out what he could do until he got the scholarships and the facility and things like that. So I think that from an internal perspective i don't know that it changed a lot about what we thought we always thought we were a really good program we always thought we attracted quality individuals we always thought we were going to go compete with everybody i thought it brought more of a national attention to it where you know when i first was an assistant here um and you went out to california or you went to texas you know half the people hadn't heard you after you beat kansas beat arkansas everyone knows who bucknell is and they know it's a great institution they know it's a, a, a place where you can get a great education and play at a high level of basketball so in that respect, there's just more familiarity with us across the country um, through more of a, a general national perspective than people are really into basketball and things like that. I thought it opened up doors that way more. And then now you pick up the phone, you call a coach in Texas. Oh, yeah, I saw you guys play this. You talk to a kid. Oh, yeah, I saw you guys beat them. Or, you know, that year you talk about that year we beat Arkansas. It wasn't just that. I mean, we lost five games that year. We lost at home to number three Villanova. Um in a great game, we lost at Duke, who was number one in the country. <laughs> we lost um, to Santa Clara in the uh, in the cable car classic. We lost to Northern Iowa in a double overtime game in the bracket buster in the top seeded teams, and then we lost to Memphis in the in the second round. So we lost to three of the four number one seeds in the tournament that year. So we we lost, but we'd beaten DePaul, we'd beaten Syracuse, we'd beaten some really good teams too. So um, there was. Like we were, we were, we had, a, we had a really good team. It was nice that we had everyone back from the year before. I thought everyone embraced the challenge. And people forget a lot about the league that year was we didn't run away with it by any stretch. Like we went undefeated, but it came down to the last two weeks. Holy Cross, we were the only team that beat them until Lehigh finally beat them again. So we go into the last two weeks, we're only one game up on them the whole time. <laughs> the whole time, Lehigh only lost to us. They were three games behind. We played Lehigh, I think, the next to last week. And if we lost, they're going to be within one game of us. So there were some challenges in that people forget about. It was not easy by far, but give our guys a lot of credit. But I thought that I think the bigger thing was just the more the visibility gave the, the program and the, uh, the school nationally more than what we thought internally about what we could do. Uh, two years later, after uh, 2008, Coach Flannery retires. You're 34. Are, is there any thought at that point? Uh, did you go through any process of, of maybe trying to get the head coaching job at that point? I did. And I didn't get it. And at the time, you know, um, I think you're, you're obviously a little bitter and things like that. But looking back on it, knowing what I knew later, they made the right choice. I wasn't ready um, by any stretch of them, as you think you are. But you're 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 having been a head coach and then coming back, knowing knowing you know four or five years later what I knew, I I wasn't ready. They made the right choice. So what was it? What wasn't ready about you? In retrospect, that's a good question. I think that. There's so much that goes into being a head coach um, on the college level, but especially Division One, that you don't know until you actually sit in the chair. Um, the things going 
on off the court, the organization that you got to deal with, the managing of people. I'm not sure. Like I said, I don't. I don't think I was ready for that. I hadn't seen enough situations and had a chance to work through them um, to really know who I was. And I think you need to do that. And so I think in that respect, where where I need more time um, to to prepare myself to to do the job effectively. So you leave Bucknell, you go to Colgate uh, with Emmett Davis there. Ed, do you know Emmett Davis walking in the door? I do. I knew Emmett uh, very well. He'd been an assistant. He'd actually been the assistant Navy that I replaced um, when he went to Colgate. They had a year with a shorter guy, but I he had uh, I had re- replaced him on the staff when he went up to Colgate to be the head coach and obviously competing against him through the years. We would spend time at the Final Four um, as, as a very good coach and as good a human being as you would find. Um, and so I was very fortunate that the things with with Bucknell went were, were late in the process. And, and he uh, but I had talked to him early on. And, and frankly, he gave me an opportunity to try to get the job here and help the job at, at Colgate until that this process was done. So I would have it somewhere with my with my family to go. I had at the time I had a two year old um, boy and my wife. You know, a week after um, the hire was made at Bucknell with Dave Pauls. And the week after that, my wife gave birth to our second child. So there was obviously some stress going on trying to figure out what we're going to do. But, but, uh, but uh, Emmett gave us a lifeline and gave me a great opportunity to, to learn from another good coach and another great institution to try to improve myself. One year there, and then you get your chance to be your head coach back at your alma mater at, uh, at Randolph-Macon. Um, what was it like going, going back and now being, being the guy? You know, it was kind of it was really surreal to be honest with you. I think that at the time when I was at Colgate, I there was really only one Division three job I would have taken, um, or had an interest in. Happened to be Randolph Macon, and I did not think, uh, you know, uh, Mike Rose had a ton of success there. Um, the tradition is great, and had you know flirted with leaving a few times, but I always felt like where he was, he was going to stay, and there was going to be an opportunity. But when he had the chance to go with Shaka to VCU and it became apparent that I had a real good shot to get the job, I felt like it was something I had to, had to, had to go after because I really felt like you had resources and support that you could compete at a high level in Division Three. I obviously knew the school well, having played there, I knew the people. Um, but it was a bit surreal, and that, like I said, I never really gave it a lot of thought that it would be an option until it actually was a possibility. First year? You make the final four. Uh, you, you made the tournament all six years, winning games four times, made the elite eight, your, your sixth and final uh, year there. What did you learn about and sort of, I guess, a, a cousin of the question about, about the, the run there at Bucknell you guys had. What did you learn about not only building success, but maintaining it and just year after year after year and, and, and not sort of having those cyclical steps back you know i think first thing you understand is that you get too much credit as a head coach when you win um and it takes more than just the head coach to win i think that you need the support of the administration the university you need to be in lockstep with them i think we were at randolph Lincoln. i think we are here and that you both have a vision of what it takes to be good the type of people you're going to bring in and the resources to go in to be successful. So I think that's number one. I think um, you have to have a great staff. You got to have guys that are going to work, um, guys that have that are loyal, um, good teachers that oh, I'm just talking about assistants, um, recruit well, um, are smart. I wanted, I always wanted assistants that were going to be head coaches eventually because they're going to have to do a lot of things um, at all those places. I don't want guys that just recruit or just that. You need them all. 
Um, and obviously, the most important thing is you need good players. Let's <laughs> not get yourself. The, the teams that win typically have the best players are, are as good as, as most people's players. And that's something we've been able to do is attract the right kind of guys that can go in and want to be really good, uh, but embrace what it takes. Um, and you've got to want to be really good individually. You've got to want to reach your full potential individually, but you've got to be willing to sacrifice for the good of the team. Not everyone can score 20 points a game. You know, not everyone's going to get to shoot every time they want, no matter how good you are. Not everyone's going to be, as a sophomore, be, you know, an all-league player. Um, not everyone's going to play as a freshman, but you got to want to – you've got to want the challenge of the competition daily. You've got to want the challenge of bettering yourself daily, but you also got to be want to be part of something bigger than yourself and something special. And I think we were able to attract guys that, that, that not only bought into that, but really believed in it. In those six years at Randolph-Macon, did you ever try to leave? Was the, were there D1 opportunities? Uh, and and were, would you have left for anything other than a head coaching position at that uh, point? Probably not. Um, I did talk at one point with one person about leaving for to be an assistant, but it probably wasn't going to happen based on where they were going. It wasn't really something that I was, I was excited about. Um, were there ever other conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think when you have the success we had, you know, at the program or the tradition we had, uh, as far as putting coaches out and, and where they've been, I think there's always going to be some people poking around or that you might have interest in. And, and yes, yeah, so there certainly was, but there, it never got to the point until this job came open that it advanced far that it was like, oh, this might really happen, you know. And, and the opportunity at Bucknell was one, just having been here and knowing what a special place it was, it was going to be hard to, to pass up if I had an opportunity. Dave Paulson leaves there after 2015 to go to George Mason. Um, you used the word bitter before. That that had long subsided. So when this job oh. opened up, it was there. There was uh, is this a kick and tire situation, or are you is that like square in the bullseye? That's a job I want to go get. That's the it's the that's the job I want. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, bitter may not have been the best word. You're probably more disappointed. Disappointed. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, it's like I said, I, I, I realized quickly after being a head coach that, like I said, I wasn't at the maturity level to do this job um, the way it needed to be done. And I think part of being successful is being able to be self-critical. And there was no doubt about it that I, I didn't think that, you know, after a year or two at Randolph, I was like, you know, I wasn't ready. And, it, and honestly, the, the job here, it was very similar to, to you know, when when uh, Mike Rose left Randolph Lincoln. It hadn't been something I ever really considered happening because, you know, the, the guys that coach in this league tend to be there for a long time because it's really good jobs. Um, you get to deal with quality people, good institutions, you know, you have a chance to win here um, year in, year out. So you hadn't really given it a ton of thought. But when they, when the, uh, when I found out that, uh, that Dave Paulson was leaving, I did reach out immediately that day just to kind of say that, yes, I would be very interested. And fortunately, the interest was reciprocated. <laughs> We'll be able to go on from there. <laughs> April 20th, 2015, uh, you are named, announced as uh, the new head coach of Bucknell. When you get that phone call and it, it's uh, it's yours, what's that? Uh, again, going back to a place you had been before, uh, what what was that uh, moment like for you? It's surreal. It's really exciting. Um, you know, I remember it. It was a Sunday. Um I knew it was going to be coming down at some point that week, just based off the interview process and the conversation I had with John Hart, who was the AD at the time on what they were looking at. Um, 
And, you know, I actually was over at Randolph Aiken. Our guys were, were playing some pickup and things. And so I was just kind of hanging out in the office doing some work when the, when the call came through. And so it was, it was exciting. It was surreal. It was, it was, there was some sadness too. Obviously we invested a lot of time um, in Randolph, at Randolph Aiken, not going to school there. So there was, there was a, a tightness and a commitment that I had to them, but it was an opportunity. I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't pass up. I was excited about it. It was a whirlwind, you know, I think to go pretty quickly, um, but Fortunately, like I said, I've been here before. I knew a lot of people here, so it made the transition a lot, a lot, a lot smoother. I feel like an underrated part of the story of coach. It doesn't matter if it's your first job or your tenth job. You're you are leaving a school behind, and especially at a place you've been there for six years. What is the conversation like with your guys? Uh, you know, administration's one thing, and hey, everybody knows it's a business, but with the ones that it's most personal with, with those guys and, and some coaches, you know, it, it tends to not, you know, sometimes they got to go and it's a phone call back and then whatever, but your situation there, uh, what was that? What was that like for you? It was tough. You know, um, it, it, we had, like I said, we had just had a great year. Uh, it ended a little disappointingly in that we lost at home and the chance to go back to the final four with the to a team we'd already beaten three times. We played Virginia West and was our was our big rival. And we we played there was a fourth time that year playing and we beat them on their floor, on our floor, we beat them on a neutral floor for the league championship. Now we're playing for the four times. So there was a little little disappointment in that. Um, but it was hard because like I said, you've been around those guys, you recruited them, um, you've gotten to know them since they were, you know, 16, 17 years old. Now, we did have eight seniors that year, so that was a little different. We were going to be a little younger the next year, so those guys were leaving. But it was, you know, it was hard um, to go in and, and have to talk to them. Now, they had kind of gotten a little bit of wind of it. I think Jeff Goodman had posted something. I don't know yeah. how he figured it out that I, was, that I was deeply involved, and so I'd had to address it, you know, probably just so they, a, few, a few days before just to – it was enough that I needed to make known that yes, this, this could happen. So I don't think it was a complete shock to anyone um, at the time, but it was, you know, it was, it was tough. And I think I got the call around four or five o'clock Sunday and had, they were in the gym. I had to get them all together. I think we had them come back in at seven. Um, so I could tell them at that point what was going on really. And then the next day, I, next day, I think by five o'clock I was gone. Yeah. Well, my last question for you, um, uh for the young coach that wants to be where you are someday and, and running their own division one program. Um, it's usually a lengthy journey uh, to get there, but what is the best piece of advice that you can, you can pass on to them as they, as they begin that uh, taking their steps down their own path. Just one piece of advice, <laughs> the biggest one, whatever's at oh. the top of the pyramid. Oh, man. I would say, I'm going to give you a couple. Cause I don't think I can All right, fair focus enough. on fair the job enough. you have. Yeah. Um, it works out in the end. If you do the job well, worry about what you're doing now, not what you're doing in the future. Um, be kind uh, to everyone you you meet, because like I said, it's all about who you know and who they don't know. And if you go back, I'm always fascinated. I go back to, you know, when I started in college basketball, excuse me, my 25th year in college basketball, the 96, 97, I look at the people I met that were an assistant high school coach or, you know, an operations guy and things like that. And the jobs they have now, um, They've come a long way, but it takes time. Um, and learn the good, take the good and the bad everywhere you go. Be loyal to the people you're working for. Work, work hard, and 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 figure out what fits with you. Thanks to Coach Davis for coming on. He and his Bucknell squad will be going for back-to-back wins when they return to the court Saturday, February fourth, against Army. 
A new episode of Coaching Origins comes out every Friday morning. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And while you're there, leave us a comment or a five-star review if you think we've earned it. Thanks for listening to Coaching Origins. Coaching Origins.